Hey, everybody. Tyler Suters with the Consumer Technology Association. We are the owner and producer of CES, the largest, the most influential tech event on the planet. We are here to help you get CES ready. The big show is coming up January 8th to the 11th, 2019 in Las Vegas. And during CES, you will see companies across all industries unveiling AI solutions there. And one of the most exciting sectors has to be robotics, right? Both what is coming in the near future and also what is possible with AI and robotics and, and all the sectors that it will affect and the ways it will improve and change our lives for the better. So today we're talking to a few very cool stakeholders in this space. First, it's a new company, one that's only three years old and is already rolling out products. And this is a company that is into robotics, but wants to act like a software company, even though it's very much a hardware company. Also, we are talking with an organization, and I can almost guarantee you know who this is. They are 60 years old, not necessarily a tech organization either, but they are focusing on robotics and what they will do for us in our homes. All that's coming up a little later, but first, joining me in studio is my colleague here at CTA, Steve Ewell. He is Executive Director of the CTA Foundation. Steve, great to have you with us today. Thanks for having me, Tyler. I'm really excited to be here for this and share a little bit about what the CTA Foundation is doing and particularly to do it on a podcast talking about robotics, which is just so appropriate for our uh, mission. Yeah, so we're giving away a little bit about who our second guest is. I'm, I'm trying to be vague about this, so bear with me. But uh, part of the, the the mission of the foundation, CTA Foundation, is uh, addressing accessibility solutions through technology. Now, before I go any deeper into that and botch the whole mission, I want you to tell it in your words, right? Because it's so cool, and and this is something that if it doesn't affect us directly today it may affect us indirectly through our parents or our grandparents or us ourselves one day. Absolutely. And that's really why it's so important for our mission, which is to link seniors and people with disabilities with technologies to enhance their lives. It's something that applies to all of us, whether we have family members uh, who through aging or through disability, or quite frankly, we're all aging. And we may even, you know, experience either a temporary or person uh, or permanent disability uh, through, you know, accidents or other things throughout, you know, the course of our life. So, technology has such an opportunity to create independence, to enable us all to live independently, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's at play. You know, technology really enables that to uh, us to all live the way that we want to live, and that's why I'm so excited to do the work of the foundation. Steve, I love that passion. I'm, I'm really glad you're here with us to, to share and lead these conversations today about technology and accessibility. Um, we're going to dive right in now with this company I've been trying to be vague about, but let's not beat around the bush anymore. Andy Miller is with us today. He is with AARP, and he is head of innovation and product development there. Andy, great to have you with us. Lots of questions ahead, but first of all, thanks for taking time today. Thank you, Tyler. Happy to be here. Well, most obvious, we're first of all, we're thrilled that an organization as old and well-known um, and innovative as AARP will be exhibiting at CES 2019. Um, the obvious question for the uninitiated, though, is what is AARP doing at, at CES, and what is your deep connection to the technology sector and putting technology in the hands uh, of your members? 
the ARP innovation is rooted in everything we do, uh, all the way from our founder uh, founding the first group health insurance plan uh, and everything we've done since that moment in time. Uh, we consider ourselves everyday innovators in aging, and our goal is to empower people to choose how they live as they age. Therefore, technology plays a significant role in enabling or empowering our audience to figure out how they want to live and what they can use, what technology they can use to help them live their best lives. That's great, Andy. And this is Steve Ewell. Just a, a quick question for you. We're going to be uh, excited to be working with you at CES this year to do our first pitch event. And really the focus is going to be on social connection. Uh, can you talk to me a bit about how, you know, why is AARP so focused on social connection and why is that so important for your members and for us as a society as a whole? Yeah, so, so let me step back a minute and, and, and let you know that we are so excited to have CTA and CES partnering with us on our pitch event. We spent 2018 of rethinking or reimagining how we do pitch events. Uh, and we had a phenomenal uh, year doing what we will call tour stops. And CES will be the first tour stop of 2019. And we're just thrilled to have you on board as a partner. Um, as it relates to social isolation uh, or social connection, I look at that as glass half full, half full glass half empty. Um, social isolation, everyone has a if you stereotype and think about what it means to most people, they think of the, the old lady in a corner. And yes, while that is one use case of social isolation, it's just one of many. And social isolation has a dramatic impact on health. Right? We actually talk about a stat, um, uh, social isolation is the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. If you think about that, that's unbelievable. Right? And so we are really focused on not just social connection for um, folks that are over 50, but really society. Because when you think about it, a lot of the social connection is intergenerational. It's grandparent to grandchild. It's, grand, you know, it's parent to adult child. And so we're really looking to find the best solutions out there that are helping, I'll say, convene social connection. And technology is the most appropriate way to do that. So we're really excited to, to be at CES and to launch this pitch event with you, focused on social isolation and, and coming up with great solutions for social connection. Well, and that's something where we find the good news is we're all likely to be living longer. And But we found, you know, and actually AARP has done research that says 90% of people want to age in place and, and stay in their home as long as they possibly can. Um, how are these types of technologies enabling that? How, how, you know, building on top of that social connection, you know, what are the other types of technologies that you're seeing that are going to enable us to really live the way we want to live, whether it's, you know, staying independent at home, being able to work longer, play longer, do everything that we want to enjoy in life? Yeah, so I think it's a really broad spectrum, right? People tend to think immediately around technology solutions in the home. Or on a on a phone, and and yes, there are technologies that are that are great, right? FaceTime was one of the you know best things. There's Skype, FaceTime, whichever you want to talk about, but one of the best things to come along to empower you know folks that were um, 
you live living far away from family or maybe had mobility or accessibility issues that wanted to connect, right? So you see things like that, and that's great. That's just the beginning. When I look at technology specifically around um, going after social isolation, it is everything from in, uh, devices like Pillow, which you'll be able to see uh, in the AARP booth in the smart home marketplace, um, that dispenses medication, but at the same time, has a screen that enables people to jump in and do what I'll call live FaceTime without mom or dad or whomever is using the device having to press any buttons. So it's like this phone call from nowhere, but it's just someone's face. They can talk to you. We can then program this device and other devices like this, which, you know, think about Amazon Alexa uh, or the new Facebook portal or Google Home with, with chatbots that enable someone living in isolation to actually have meaningful conversation, albeit not with a person, right? Um, I think you're gonna see more and more voice, and we're seeing this already, where this isn't new, but we're seeing a, a tremendous wave or movement in voice, in chatbots, in AI, in machine learning, which is gonna continue to drive this. But if you think about AI in, in, in particular, now you start thinking about things like autonomous transportation, right? Everything from, you know, cars, to, to fleets of buses like what Locomotors has done with Ollie. Uh, and so you're gonna, I think you're gonna see more and more that is not only driven by AI and voice, but robotics, right? That's gonna come into play. You're seeing lots of, um, I'll say companions. You know, uh, examples that come to mind are sort of like the um, Aegis Innovation uh, has their, their companion pets, right? The, the dog and the cat where they are very lifelike. If anyone's ever played with one, it's, it's sort of amazing. Um, so I, the convergence of all of these types of technologies is finally here. Right? For a long time, they were sort of isolated and you had to have huge money to create these things and um, they weren't very lifelike, right? They weren't very user-friendly. Uh, they weren't accessible for all. And I think the convergence of these technologies that you're seeing, they're manifesting in, in very different ways very meaningful ways that allows someone to stay connected, again, either to, you know, a virtual bot or to a family member that may be living far away. And we're going to continue to see this, uh, I think, over the next few years as technology continues to, uh, the processing power continues to, to grow and costs come down, and it creates a, an environment where startups can very quickly and inexpensively start different types of solutions, create different types of solutions and bring them to market in a, in a way that we've never seen before. And I can't wait to see uh, everything that AARP is going to be showing off this year at CES 2019, as well as many of those types of technologies that we're going to find across the show that, you know, it's not just in one segment, uh, but quite frankly, you know, there are technologies that are changing lives from one end of Las Vegas to the other uh, during CES. What are the types of technologies that you're really looking to find while you're at CES this year? Are there specific areas that you're interested in seeing? So I don't know that I'm as keyed on the actual technology, right? I mean, you know, lots of buzzwords these days, right? If I hear one more startup pitch me that they're an AI startup, um, I'm more interested in the solution, right? So technology is just an, an enabler. Right? It's going to create a solution. So I'm really focused on what are the best solutions out there, uh, less on what technology they're utilizing to, to create the solution, 
to help our members and, 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 and beyond really battle social isolation. So I'm excited to see how, again, the convergence of technologies into solutions, right? Um, what I see a lot of times today are a lot of point solutions. And I'm really interested in seeing a company, whether it's a startup or a large established organization, that understands it's the aggregation of multiple point solutions that's going to win and, and probably going to include multiple types of technology in the solution. So while you're future casting a little bit, Andy, we are talking about robotics on this episode of the podcast. Yeah. Um, because CES is about both what is and also what will be, what's possible, where do you see the robotics sector going on a need basis um, for the aging community, for the community that Steve was talking about, for our population who's getting older and wants to be at home? What's possible yeah. with robotics there? So there's a couple ideas that, that I, I've been thinking about a lot lately. Uh, one is focused on... a. a a caregiver companion, I'll call it, right? Um, one of the, the largest uh, struggles that we have, in, in, we see in society today is, we, we know the number of caregiver, the ratio between caregivers and, and, and people that need care, it's going in the wrong direction, right? So how are we gonna solve for that? And I can imagine all sorts of things with, with, with robotics that help someone that's at home the patient, if you will, the, the care recipient, feel empowered, but at the same time, help the caregiver. Um, one of the, the challenges that caregivers have is guilt. Guilt that they're not there. Guilt that, that what happens if something, if it's, you know, doctor, mom were to fall and I wasn't there. Like, so I think when you talk about robotics, I don't know what form factor it takes, but this idea of a companion caregiver that can perform a robot robot that could perform certain functions a caregiver could do um, and all the while helping with the connection the social connection piece I also think there's an interesting um, use case around fall prevention specifically around uh, falls that happen at night or in the morning on the way from the bedroom to the bathroom is there a robot you know, you see lots of you see lots of uh, solutions today with, um, I'll call it like the landing strip, right? It's, oh, when mom gets out of bed, lights light up on the floor to show her the way. Mm. Well, that doesn't necessarily help her not fall. That just shows her where to go to fall. So, you know, we think about like, wow, could there be a, a robotic cane? And maybe that cane, when 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 mom or dad gets up at night, comes over to the bed, um, helps direct mom, knows through sensors and other things what's happening. Um, is measuring gait as he or she walks. Um, and, and so you can imagine these uh, leveraging robotics and, again, the convergence technology because it's, you know, you're going to have to have lots of AI and machine learning and all kinds of stuff baked in here. Um, IoT, like, it, it's, it's the convergence. But the, the idea of, like, a mechanical cane, again, I don't know what the form factor actually looks like, if it actually is a cane or a little, you know, buddy robot that walks next to you. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's things around use cases we care about. So fall prevention is super important, right? Because much like social isolation, when somebody falls, it, it, the reality is that usually is the beginning of, of major problems, especially if it's a, se a severe fall where someone breaks a hip or a 
knee or an arm or something and lands in the hospital. So um, I think that's really interesting when you think about robotics and, and how do you create these really interesting uh, use cases to drive, which people don't think about, right? Fall detection is one where people think about, you know, I gotta, I gotta improve the eye falling and can't get up, you know, personal emergency response pendant. There's a problem with those and that people don't want to wear them, period. So just making a better, you know, pendant or a better mousetrap doesn't actually solve this problem. But I don't know if there was an interesting little robot that, that I could communicate with that was helping me do what I need to do. That's very interesting. Well, and as you know, fall detection is such an important uh, piece into this and fall prevention even more so. So, uh, in fact, that's something the the CTA Foundation uh, through our fellowship program has been doing some research in that area, particularly around technology to help people with dementia uh, and predict and prevent uh, falls as much as possible. When you're looking at this robotic space, do you see – is this going to be a house full of a lot of single-purpose robotics and, and technologies, or is this, you know, are we going to have the Rosie the robot that you know serves all of our needs uh, uh, as we need them? You know, how do you see this technology space playing out? Yeah, I, I certainly hope it's not a house full of robots, and I hope it is Rosie. Uh, I, I actually. I, I think it's really hard when you talk about future casting, it's easy to sit here and pontificate on what could be. I think it's really hard with any level of or high degree of accuracy to really forecast, right, what, what, is, what it's going to be. I mean, I think two years ago at CES, I, I don't know, I probably saw 100 companies with the little robot guys, like a little sit on the pedestal, kind of move around, talk to you. Um, and you haven't seen, at least I haven't seen in, in our space, um, much adoption. So to me, that's sort of like a one of many point solutions. Do I have to have five of these things throughout my house and they all connect and communicate with one another? I, I just don't know that that's a really viable solution in the short term. I think when you start looking at the smart home, that's a different story. Start thinking about smart appliances and where you have built-in, I'll say built-in IoT. I think IoT has also been interesting because it's much like I, I create everything to mobile payment, right? It's like every year is the year of mobile payment, yet no one really seems to use their phone to pay. Um, when, you, when you think about IoT, I, I don't want to have to stick sensors in every room. I don't want to have to put you know, cameras in every room. And, and so I, I don't know that, again, go back to that multi-point solution. Unless they're integrated into things I already am going to be purchasing or into the fabric, if you will, of the home itself, and then that can communicate with, with a singular device, um, I'm not sure that we're ever going to get to Rosie until there is some sort of you know, network effect within the home driving a single robot or a single thing, right? And, and that's the problem today. You see why you see so many individual sort of uh, point solutions that are scattered throughout the home and many of which don't communicate with one another, at least not well. Um, I'm hopeful that, you know, we start thinking about what's happening with voice, with Alexa and Google Home, and how people are sort of interacting and now using that to turn lights on and that sort of thing. You can see how now you could have a hub that could, in theory, drive a single Rosie. So I, I hope that it gets to a single device and not we don't end up with multi-point solution. And this thing is too hard to manage. It's too hard to implement. Clearly, in a B2C world, 
I just don't know how that, you know, it's usually the adult child that's buying this stuff and putting it in the home, trying to help. And, and at the end of the day, most folks are not that technically sophisticated to be managing sort of a network of things throughout the home. Andy, we are so excited to be working with you at CES 2019, and particularly to have the CTA Foundation working with AARP on our pitch competition. The focus of that competition this year is going to be on increasing social connection. Can you tell us a little bit about why is it so important for AARP to create social connections or to combat social isolation in the work that you're doing with technology? Yeah, so when you think about everything AARP is focused on right now, it's a really broad uh, sort of uh, lens, right? So at the highest level, we care about health, wealth, and self. One can argue that it's too broad, that's almost anything that you can imagine, um, but when you dig in, we really care about, in, you know, within health, we really care about um, caregiving, right? How do we make both the caregiver and the care recipient's life, you know, the best we can? Uh, inside of um, wealth, it's really around working jobs, it's around savings and planning. There's an interesting stat that, um, you know, half of all Americans have zero save for retirement. That's just mind-blowing to me. The average is $2,500. A third of the U.S. Could, could not come up with $400 if they needed to for an emergency, right? So we're really focused on sort of the technologies that are going to help drive behavioral change within FinTech. Um, and then in self, it's really personal fulfillment. And so we're focused on how do we build solutions to, you know, everything from healthy living to um, livable communities and, and, you know, things that drive yourself. Your, your personal fulfillment. Um, in fact, we're going to be launching a product at CES uh, in our booth that is focused um, on social isolation, but was born out of personal fulfillment. Um, and it's a it's a interesting product because it, it brings together sort of um, sort of super high tech, you know, virtual reality with with sort of low tech, you know, um, printing or, or picture books, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so we, we sort of look at this thing and we have a pretty wide uh, uh, lens, but we really try and dig in within the, the broader picture to focus our innovation efforts on, at a granular level, on things like social isola isolation, um, but in the context of always coming back to everything we do has to be focused on empowering people to choose how they live as they age. Yeah, and whether you think it's relevant to you or not, one day it will be for all of us, if, if we're fortunate. That's how I would put we're it. We're all <laughs> Every, day. Every day we're getting older. Andy Miller is with AARP, where he is head of innovation and product development. And the organization will have a significant presence at CES 2019. Andy, great to talk with you today, and we'll see you soon in Las Vegas. Thanks. We're looking forward to it. And before I let you drop the mic, Steve, uh, here in the CTA studio, let's talk a bit more about the pitch event you referenced there with Andy. Uh, the CTA Foundation partnering with AARP for a first-time event at CES 2019. Absolutely. You heard from our conversation how important social connection can be. We're going to do our first pitch event. AARP is sponsoring that event. We're going to have a number of exciting technologies pitch to a selection of uh, expert, uh, a panel of experts uh, at the show. And then we're actually going to have the CES attendees there vote and choose the winner this year. So I hope everyone will join us on Thursday the 10th. 
in uh, Eureka Park on the startup stage at 10.30 in the morning. Audience participation at its best. Steve, thanks again for taking time today. Thank you for having me. And if people want to know more about the CTA Foundation, they can go to ctafoundation.tech. All right. ctafoundation.tech is the address. So joining us now in studio is Jill Wynn. She is with Omni Labs, where she is head of partnerships. And Jill, so glad you're with us today. Thanks for having me. I'm um, excited to be here today. So talking to you off mic about robotics, I'm not sure I've ever discussed this topic with someone who's more passionate about it. <laughs> um, yet Omni Labs is a relatively new company in this space. Let's start at the beginning and tell us a bit about the company and the inception and, and where you are today. Sure, yeah. So we are uh, about three years old. The company was founded in 2018 with three co-founders, all engineers and serial entrepreneurs. Um, you know, among them, two, you know, PhDs um, and um, I'll say like three to four different exits. So these mm -hmm. guys are, you know, innovators in, in Silicon Valley. Um, and in 2015, they kind of found themselves after their, you know, exiting their latest ventures and just kind of like, what do we want to do? And they just kind of came from this bromance, I would say, that they wanted <laughs> to work together. Uh -huh. um, and at the same time, um, Jared, our current co-founder and CTO, was working on a personal passion project. He was building a drone that would kind of like fly around his family so he can be there um, to share the moments with, with them. Um, and actually, three of the co-founders are all immigrant. With new immigrant family, and you know the the sentiment of like not being home and sharing the moment, they all share that, mm -hmm. um, and they were just kind of fascinated by that, by Jared's passion project. So they wanted to do something telepresence. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, among the three specialties, there's robotics, there's um, you know hardware, there's three D printing, there's game theory and AI. Uh, they came up with the Omni telepresent robot, mm -hmm. um, and they were very. I guess, very sure that they wanted something for the home. So it has to be lightweight, it has to be affordable, um, and it has to come with different colors, so it's fun. Um, and <laughs> Get the kids involved. Very, yeah. very important. And we launched uh, in April 2017 on Indiegogo mm -hmm. and shipped our first robot in the fall of 2017. That's wonderful. So it, it brings to mind one of the key components, at least outwardly facing Jill, about Omnilabs, and that is, you talk about wanting to be a hardware company, which very much mm -hmm. is a robotic space, but to act like a software company. All right, so some buzzwords there, and probably a, uh, an approach that sounds vaguely familiar to a lot of us in the tech sector, but what does it mean to you, to Omnilabs, to, to act like a software company in this space? Um, I guess, you know, when, when you think about a hardware company, mm -hmm. there's a lot of different vendors involved, different manufacturers involved. Um, and you don't see a lot of companies in the hardware space controlling the entire process, right? Um, maybe Apple, it's like very famous example. Um, and, and I think, you know, at the beginning of the company, um, they were really interested in doing something different, right? Um, and to keep the cost really low, it means they have to figure out a way to do manufacturing cheaper, to do prototyping cheaper, to move faster. Mm -hmm. um, and in, in two and a half years, they went through 10 different iterations of the robot. And to move that quickly and to have such a lean process to create a product, they end up um, you know, doing everything in-house from designing to prototyping to manufacturing. And that means involving 3D printers. Mm -hmm. um, 
Um, and and I think you know when 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 they try, well, the team is so small. I mean, there were three of them in someone's you know garage that later building out to like six, seven people. Um, the team was very small. It's still like less than you know fewer than ten people when they launch on mm-hmm. Indiegogo. Um, so with that A to Z controlling process, it feels like they were building an app. From scratch, right? Mm-hmm. But it takes a, takes a lot more, um, and obviously, you know, after employing the commercial commercial grade three D printers to manufacture our robot, they end up um, we end up custom building our own three D you know printers, mm-hmm. and we have investors who were so interested in our proprietary 3D printing technologies. And we, a lot of time, laugh about how maybe we can just, like, spun up a new venture and just be a 3D printing technology company <laughs> because of that. Interesting approach in that you've already had so much success. And part of that is certainly the innovation the technology put into it. But another element is the space where you found yourself, right? It is um, elder care or senior care or, or patient monitoring. It's also... Very much, um, as you said, a telepresence, mm-hmm. right? In the sense that um, if you can't be somewhere, potentially a robot can. Yeah. Um, so that's an amorphous way I'm trying to describe exactly where you are, but it is unique to some degree. It is, um, and you know, the, there, we're not the first telepresent robot. That space has been has been existing for, I'll say, 15 years, mm-hmm. um, and there are a lot of robotic solutions out there, like telepresent robot for enterprise, for manufacturing, um, and some starting to go into the home space. But obviously, robot, robots in the home, that's really new, right? You right. See, it's primarily been a B2B uh, play. Yeah, and I think I think Roomba is the most famous example of a robot <laughs> in the home, and it's not new, and it's quite dumb. I mean, not to, not to offend iRobots. I, I love the Roomba. It's just not what you think that will be in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, one reason why robotic adoption in the home has been slow is because it's been expensive. It's been clunky, um, and 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 so we, you know, try to go into that space um, by being more affordable. Um, our starting our standard model right now starts at fourteen ninety five, which is the price of the laptop. Um, it's about eighteen pounds, you know, foldable, um, and and very simple to use, which is you know very important for us. Um, at the same time, you know, we're committed to you know open source innovations, and we also have partners who actually utilize our developers kit and our robot to build something out on top of it. So we're also, you know, can be a solution for, for businesses as well. So how does that manifest itself right now in the home? What does OmniLab see as your presence in the present for robotics with consumers? Um, we actually, I think the most positive thing is that we lo- love hearing stories from our from our consumer from our customers? Um, I mean, one of, I think one of the most heartfelt story we heard recently is you know this guy um, that lived really far from his mother and and um, you know also immigrant family and they use a robot to communicate and and one day he was on a business trip and couldn't even reach her she wasn't picking up the phone so he dialed onto the robot drive it around the house and found that she was in tremendous pain and needed oh, no. medical attention. And so he, you know, called 911 and stayed on the robot with her um, as the ambulance came and helped her communicate her issues with the medical professional because she didn't speak English. Wow. And it couldn't have been done necessarily with a smartphone. I mean, this is how you he was able to locate her, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, So, you know, 
when we, when we hear a story like that, that's very important to us that this is something that that stick and there's a market for it, right? Mm-hmm. Or when we, you know, this is a bit outside of the home, but we have customers, uh, we have pay family with kids that are going through medical treatment a lot of time for leukemia, for example. Um, and these kids are being pulled away from the classroom into mm-hmm. the hospitals. And, you know, they want to, and the parents are want to keep their these kids life as normal as possible so they buy these robots put in the classroom and the kids can dial in be in the class be with his friend be with the teacher mm-hmm. uh, and that just really improves their quality of life you know among their like a lot of time toughest days mm-hmm. um so there really is there really is a market you know in the home and for everyday usage and it's also great that as we you know work with more customers we actually hear more use cases as they want to us to go to you know trade show exhibit real estate mm-hmm. showing um, so there are a lot of potentials there uh, like you said you know for a robot to be where a human can't be or a lot of times to cut down the cost um, and just kind of like reduce um, you know time that you would need to spend on some kind of like has to take a lot of like time like companionship for example okay Jill since you brought up trade shows I'm <laughs> going to bring up CES 2019 um, and for a relatively young company, as you said, only a few years old, you have a pretty defined strategy for what you want to do at CES 2019 coming up. Um, yes, we're very excited. This will be our first official CES. Um, personally, I've been before, and it was an overwhelming and just amazing experience that I think everyone should do at least once in your life, even if you're not in tech or not in, in media. It, it's a really, I guess you, you I gain just like a profound respect for just hu- mankind. Um, and so one of, actually one of my very first thing when I joined Omni Labs in August was just like, we have to go to CES. <laughs> um, because, you know, I believe that it's a place where we can we can learn a lot from the industry, but also we I want to be, you know, have a booth, be there and exhibit um, and to kind of, you know, expose ourselves to other potential technical partners or mm-hmm. even press. Um, and also it's a really good place for us to, you know, reveal new innovations we're working on and find other partners who would be interested in, in joining force with us as well. Um, we will be in the accessibility area on the smart home floor mm-hmm. in the sands. Um, and yeah, we're very excited to, you know, reveal one of the secret project we've been working on for so long. Won't press you on that. Uh, we've got we've got time right before <laughs> the big reveal. Um, I am curious about your approach to deciding to exhibit there in in, in smart home and accessibility. Um, just as AI has become a horizontal topic across CES, but across the tech sector in general. Uh, it seems to me, given your explanation, Jill, that robotics is in some way a bit the same way and that it can apply across so many tech-centric verticals, right? Whether that's uh, design and source, whether it's smart home, um, gosh, sports tech, health and fitness, digital health clearly have an element there as well. So why uh, define yourselves to some degree as accessibility or as smart home? I think that, you know, we have a lot of stories, story about customers, stories of use cases. And I mm-hmm. think um, we want to really highlight those and being in the accessibility area means that we're committed to highlighting how our robot have been making, have making people's life better, right? I mean, um, 
there are a lot of I'm sure there are lots of robots in the robotics and AI area, right? Um, but we're we're more interested in letting the visitor see how can this fit into their home mm-hmm. in different use cases. Um, and in the accessibility areas, we're also going to be really close to lots of partner we've been working with. And mm-hmm. I think tech for social good and robotic for social good is something that we're committed to since the day one of the company. And I mm-hmm. think that kind of makes a lot of sense for us to be there instead of mm-hmm. being the in the show floor with all the robotics companies. Right. So when you use the term telepresence in association with robotics, that's in the home, right? There's an interactivity. There's a... Gosh, you almost put the face of your loved ones on there, mm-hmm. right? You can personalize a little bit. Um, Omni Labs is also moving toward the robotic arm category, for <laughs> lack of a better term. Um, what's the potential that you see there, and, and where are you all working on that? Tyler, you're, like, spoiling my secret right now, or you could, like, read my <laughs> mind. No details. That's okay. That's okay. Um, we, you know, obviously we're, we're labs in the end, mm-hmm. right? So we're constantly, you know, curious and constantly working on – what can we do that is, you know, better and especially bringing innovation into the home? Like I mentioned earlier, like telepresent robots are not new, mm-hmm. but we want to make one that's affordable for the home. Right. Robotic arms are not new. You've seen a lot of, you know, video clips of cool new arm doing, you know, heart surgery. I, I love those videos. I love the pre- like precisions. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also want to... Um, you know, create, you know, a pair of arms for for the home, right? So right now, most of the arm you see are, um, they're heavy, they're expensive, they're used in more like manufacturing, um, you know, scenario, or maybe they're in, in Mars, I, I love those as well. Um, but, you know, for, for a robot like Omni, um, we also need a caregiver, like a caregiving aspect. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we're working on a pair of affordable, but, you know, ultra high performance and, um, you know, ultra precise um, arms so that can be an attachment or an add-on to a robot um, that can be uh, teleoperated, also can be um, trained to automate some certain tasks as well. So imagine if you buy an Omni robot for your for your, your mother or your grandma and, you know, the robot arm can help, you know, carry or just, uh, you know, help them get to the bathroom, help them do certain tasks, carry things away, um, or even just like dispense certain pills, remind to take, you know, medicines on time, that will, that will change the game a lot for lots of family, but they have to be lightweight, they have to be modular, they have to be um, precise, and that's something that we're working on right now and will be unveiling at CES. Well, we love major announcements during CES, and that seems to be a, p- a potential groundbreaker, Jill. That's fantastic. Um, final question. Pull out the crystal ball for me. Um, where do you see robotics going, let's say, five years from now? What, what kind of discussions are we going to be having about capabilities, about applications, about hardware? I don't believe that you know, more companies are going to pay attention to robotic solutions for the home. Um, I think, you know, the release of Portal by Facebook is kind of, you know, one one sign of that trend. Where is it going? Mm, interesting. Obviously, with a lot of discussions around privacy at the moment, any kind of new um, connected device or robotic, robotic solutions in the home would need to pay attention closely to consumers' privacy, consumer data. Mm. Um, 
but I but one thing that I truly hope and truly believe in is you know Omni just like Portal um, is really you know sparking the public's interest in in robot in robots and telepresence solutions in the home, mm-hmm. um, and I hope that's a that's a trend the market's going and you know I that's I think that's what everyone at Omni Labs hoping. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jill Wynn, head of partnerships with Omni Labs. Great to have you with us. Hope you have a fantastic CES 2019. Thank you, Tyler. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. Next time, we are talking about the smart home and a specific focus on voice recognition technology. Yes, it's getting better than ever. But as you learn from our conversation with Google Home, that division, uh, there is a more personalized voice assistant capability that's now being introduced to customers as well. Some of the things that you've heard uh, that we announced at Google I.O. was that uh, soon John Legend will be available as a voice you can have the assistant talk to you in. Okay, we want you to be CES ready. So subscribe to this CES Tech Talk podcast. You won't miss any of our episodes that way. And a reminder, CES 2019, it is on the way. January 8th through the 11th in Las Vegas. The information you need is at ces.tech. That is ces.tech. As always, none of this is possible without our true superstars, our producer, Tina Anthony, and our engineer, John Lindsay. You all are the best in the business. Thank you both. And thank you as well for joining us. I'm Tyler Suters. Let's talk tech again soon.